0: Welcome to the second episode of The Road Less Taken. I'm Sahil, the co-founder of Humans of Entrepreneurship, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have Nirav, who's the co-founder of City Furnish, a furniture rental startup in India. Well, today we'll not just learn about Nirav's journey, but we'll also talk about his YC experience. And to top it off, he's going to give us great tips of how to succeed in YC. So what are you waiting for? Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey Niro, welcome to the second episode of uh, the Road Less and Thank you for doing this.
1: Hi, sorry. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be a part of this journey now with you guys.
0: So, so Niro, like I don't, I don't want to waste time, and I want to just get quickly on um, your journey. So, what was, uh, what were, what were you doing before the city furnish, and what stuck your mind to starting your own venture, and why, then, uh, like furniture and
1: Sure. So, for like starting of City Furnish, I think we'll have to go back to my college days because the idea of City Furnish was kind of originated from a personal problem which I had faced. Uh, being that as a student, uh, I was uh, coming from Jodhpur to Delhi. I was studying in Delhi University. Uh, so, uh, to stay there during that, my college days, I had to look for an apartment. And as luck would have it, I ended up in an unfurnished apartment. And uh, then I kind of figured out that more than 65 person apartments in tier one cities in India are either semi furnished or unfurnished. And uh, so combined that with a student on a shoestring budget, I kind of uh, got this problem statement in my mind that there is no alternative to buying expensive furniture for temporary use. So this was a particular thing that kind of uh, confused me because it just seems so uh, upfront to me that uh, this seems broken and definitely there needs to be a solution here. Uh, basically an alternative, like uh, in our days, there was only two options that either you buy new furniture or you buy second-hand furniture. Uh, Apart from that, there was no third alternative available. Uh, So obviously at that time, I did not venture out and start uh, city furniture at that time. But that was the seed of inception of the problem, which uh, kind of pondered in my mind. Uh, Post that, I worked with my father's family. So I do come from a furniture industry. So that background obviously has helped me a lot. Uh, and post that I also worked with Pepperfry for around a year or so uh, before finally starting City Furnish in 2015 to exactly solve the problem which kind of originated during our college days and then provide an alternative to furniture buying for temporary use and that's how City Furnish was born. We started with Delhi and Shia being the first city and uh, as of today now we've expanded to seven more cities and uh, we're doing around 15,000 plus subscriptions, uh, live subscriptions as of date. So yeah, it's been a good journey
0: that's great. Uh, So uh, obviously, like, so I was researching and I saw that like, you guys are not the only one who's doing this. And in India, it's becoming more like a lot of companies, uh, startups have come across uh, doing the same thing. So how do you manage the competition? How do you make sure that you stay above them and you make sure that you cut through them?
1: So the first and foremost thing about is like in our category, competition is technically uh, good. And I think most of our competitors also kind of agree, because it's a, uh, it's a new and nascent category right now. So I'll give you an example, like if you ask, uh, the, uh, ask your close 10 friends that if you have an unfurnished house and you have to furnish that, uh, how will you do that? I can guarantee you that, that approximately 40 to 50% will still say that they will buy the furniture. So, and that's the answer basically that why competition is good in this category right now, because more competition actually creates more awareness about renting as an option. Uh, If the overall category pie becomes bigger, uh, every company in the category itself gets more business out of it. And uh, so that's definitely one. Second, how we are creating City Furnish as a, I would say, the go-to brand in furniture rental or kind of synonym to furniture rental is our major USP is our full stack model. So what we essentially mean by a full stack model is from designing of the furniture in-house to having our own fulfillment centers in the cities you operate in we so ensuring that we do the delivery and installation by our own fulfillment team and which doesn't we don't install the furniture our team will also come in and tuck in the bed sheets at the customer's house put on the dining mats at the dining table so our complete idea is to provide a customer delight factor which is kind of unparalleled to even if they would have bought the furniture so in our view for city furnish we don't think of furniture rental companies as a competitor our actual competitors are someone like an ikea or the mentality of fast furniture—that you buy cheap furniture for temporary use and then you discard that. So that mentality is a is the major competitor for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, so uh, did you think like uh, I think you came uh, a bit after a couple of other people who were already doing this. So do you think you had some kind of second mover advantage uh, over those people? Maybe you identified some gaps which they were still having, and then you kind of uh, uh, close those gaps.
1: Uh, so, uh, so I follow this book very closely called Four Steps to Epiphany by Steve Blank. And uh, and this is a book I think uh, everyone at our team follows. Uh, so the idea behind that is that we have been always been customer focused and not competitor focused. So from the day we kind of started, we first uh, uh, like tried to understand that what the requirement of the customer is and what the customer is actually looking for. And I'll explain you how. Uh, so, for example, if you'll understand that renting as a complete category itself is not a uh, is not something which we started. So, you have already been renting houses, you've already been renting cars, and etc. So, it's not something which is completely new. The idea of the implementation of furniture rental was something which was typically new, and that was a major thing which we were trying to bring in. And how we did that was that when we started uh, we started City Furnish, we did around 200 plus interviews across uh, Delhi Metro and Cyber Hub and other office spaces just to understand the user psychology behind furniture rental. One major learning or insight we got from those survey was that, that the furniture buying experience has always been far more superior than the furniture rental experience. And that's the reason you will not find any unicorn uh, globally as well for any furniture rental segment. Even in developed markets like US and Europe, there is no furniture rental unicorn right now. Because always the furniture buying experience has been more superior uh, than furniture rental. So that was first. The second insight we got was that people viewed furniture rental as a compromise. So compromise on product, quality, or pricing. So that was the idea which people generally had, that if you are renting furniture, there might be a compromise which you will have to do. So those were the two preconceived notions and insights we had to kind of tackle on. And I think our competitors, though they were... Uh, in the same so-called furniture rental category, but they were already late to kind of address these two major insights for the user. And that's where our full stack model, uh, where we kind of work only with solid wooden furniture and not with particle board and engineered board furniture, which is comparatively cheaper and would lead to kind of compromise in the eyes of the uh, eyes of the consumer. And also to provide them a, a service, which is kind of unparalleled. So I've already talked to you about customer delight. You also provide a free relocation, free upgrade and free maintenance to the user. So we kind of take the complete hassle for furnishing your house and that kind of uh, bridges the gap between the category which we were trying to bridge in. So that was a key enabler for us to kind of enter into this category and create a different niche for city furnishing. Uh
0: When it comes to consumer mindset, as you said, do you think it has uh, changed over the years or maybe uh, uh, like and how has it changed like positively or uh what kind of mindset changes are you seeing?
1: Absolutely. So uh, when we did the first survey in 2015, uh, I did the survey myself for around 200 plus people. And uh, I think more than 95% people said that they would buy furniture, be it uh, new furniture, be it second-hand furniture. Uh, very few people were interested about the idea of furniture rental. Uh, we, did this, we do the survey kind of annually. And in our last annual survey, we kind of figured out that now more than 40 to 50% people are A, aware about furniture rental, and B, are interested to try and experiment with furniture rental. So definitely think that in the last four to five years, there's a tremendous shift in this category itself. Uh, So that's one. Secondly, with COVID, I think uh, it's kind of been a a kind of a game changer for us. Uh, One of the biggest USP of furniture rental is that you have a option of flexibility right now. So the point is that if you, for example, if you're living in a rented apartment in any any metro cities in India, and uh, if you would have bought furniture pre-COVID, you're kind of now stuck with that furniture. So let's say you have to move back to your hometown because of whatever reasons, and now you're not staying in that same apartment, but you're still stuck with that same furniture in a rented apartment. That mathematics definitely does not make sense. Uh, Post-COVID, a lot of people value that flexibility which we offer. Earlier COVID, people kind of viewed that they want to settle in. And again, like the mentality of a normal Indian consumer is to kind of settle the roots there. So they will try to buy the home, try to buy the furniture and etc. But I think with COVID and I think again with the, I would say the kind of consumer shift which is happening, more and more people are moving towards experiences rather than ownership or hoarding of assets. And that is one thing which has, I think COVID has just kind of speeded up the progress. And uh, we are seeing a very good demand uh, post the lockdown has come up again, like uh, it's been over again. Uh, We are seeing a very good shift in the trend for that as well.
0: That's good to see that uh, your business is one of those uh, who got benefited from COVID. Uh, So yeah, like now I want to talk about the uh, dream place where a lot of startups want to be. Um, uh, So you have been a part of Y Combinator, where where we have seen startups like uh, Airbnb going on there, uh, Dropbox. So what was that feeling of getting accepted? And then um, obviously being in that environment, being in that ecosystem, uh, what was that like for a young uh, entrepreneur to enter in that, in that area and like, speak to those kind of people who have already succeeded?
1: So I think like uh, the complete YC experience was kind of mind blowing and amazing to sum it up into simple words. Uh, so uh, one funny incident which happened during a YC interview uh, so me and my partner Saurabh, we went for the interview uh, to the uh, YC batch in uh, YC office in, uh, in uh So this is the pre-covid times where we were allowed to meet and uh, meet people in person. Uh, so during the interview, the first interview, uh, so the uh, traditional YC interview is only a 10-minute interview, and uh, those 10 minutes are something you kind of never forget. So it kind of went the same for us. The first 10 minutes of the interview were over. We came out and. Uh, We're kind of anxiously waiting for the kind of like the next result or whatever would be the next step. And after two hours, we got to know that uh, there's going to be a second round of interview for us at a later uh, time in the day. Uh, And that kind of created a lot of anxiety and kind of a suspense for us because uh, uh, most of the companies uh, which were there uh, along with us doing the interviews uh, kind of did only one round and kind of was selected right away or like rejected right away. So that kind of created a lot of anxiety for us. But uh, uh, in the evening, we did uh, get for the second chance of the interview. Uh, we met our group partners. And uh, as you rightly said, that uh, so the biggest thing which works for YC is the is the YC partners. So they come from this particular back background where they've already built something which is of scale and of value. And now they're also helping you to scale up your company as well. So That was kind of absolutely kind of magical for us. Uh, and yeah, so luckily enough, we got in through the second round of the interview. Uh, me and Saurav were kind of uh, uh, a lot of anxiety was there when the second interview was done. And I remember it was like around 9.59 p.m. at the night when we got the call that we've been selected for the YC interview. And it was uh, definitely a very good thing for us to happen and we were kind of very happy about it.
0: Uh, do you want to give uh, people any tips? Uh, so young entrepreneurs who are, who are trying to apply for YC, who are trying to go in there, do you want to give them any tips about how to ace, first of all, getting into YC? And once you get in like uh, like that interview, like w- what, like how do you prepare for that? Or like, how do you kind of uh, go on with things?
1: Definitely. So I think like the first and foremost thing for applying into YC is that, uh, or like what YC does look in a company, are ideas that can scale with the help of YC. So basically ideas which can go large, which can become big companies. Uh, secondly, they always look for founders and teams to invest in rather than just the idea alone. Uh, so even if the idea has the merit, but if the founding team lacks the, the conviction to build those things, um, YC generally won't invest. So I think like the founding team kind of brings the magic to the complete formula. And I think that's where the conviction of the founders in the team plays a very important role. So I think uh, if you can prove the validation which you have done for your product or your service, whatever you are building, uh, that helps a lot uh, when you're applying for YC. And uh, lastly, I think it's very important to kind of keep it simple uh vice kind of like again like because the partners come from such a experienced background they kind of see through you if you're trying to uh, kind of complicate things you're trying to hide some for, for particular facts or numbers so i think it's very important to be very transparent very uh and like keeping the complete pitch and uh, uh i would say the matrix simple and uh, again like rice believes in kind of a real matrix in terms of revenue actual number of deliveries done not in terms the vanity matrix, like number of app downloads and etc. So yes, I think those would be the first three tips for kind of acing the YC interview. Uh, Post YC, I think a lot depends upon how you actually use the YC partners. And they also kind of uh, said this themselves when you're into YC that now it kind of it depends upon the founders that how efficient the founder is to kind of utilize all the network and resources available within YC. So all the partner network, the alumni network, uh, and even the batch network, which is uh, available during the, uh, the YC batch, which you are in, is kind of very uh, motivating and very energetic. So if you are able to kind of make the best use out of it, it's uh, wonderful. And I think that's what uh, the best companies out of YC has done. So you can see a lot of examples for that in India as well, apart from Dropbox, Airbnb, like Razorpain, et etc. from India. And I think that's been a wonderful experience about YC.
0: Great. So you uh, how you said that you guys had that uh, anxiety moment before YC, uh, the, the second interview. Uh, but like, uh, as an entrepreneur, obviously, you go through like so many, so many anxiety moments uh, uh, where you feel like uh, you're depressed. Initially, you feel like, am I even on the right path? So how did you or how would you all how would you suggest uh, founders who are trying to get into this field? Uh, how do they maintain their mental health balance and make sure they keep going?
1: I think uh, so. for us, it's a kind of a very simple thing which we do. So whenever we feel that uh, we are valued less because of an investor rejection or whatever, uh, and we have this very simple thing which I do, uh, so every Saturday or Sunday, I call around 5 to 10 of my customers and I speak to them. Uh, obviously, all of them would have some feedback and suggestion and comments, but uh, uh, always a few of them will definitely uh, kind of say that why they love our product. And that kind of validates and sums up our journey and just gives us that that extra sense of motivation and I would say kind of uh, purpose to the journey, uh, which I think just kind of uh, helps to keep it going. So, and I think that's the, the biggest reason any founder starts, because I think uh, it's because of the love of building, building things or building products. And I think uh, if you're uh, always in touch with your end customer or end user and you're able to get the feedback for it or kind of uh, feel the nerve for it, uh, I think that is always going to provide you that uh, purpose of this journey. And I think, uh, at least for us, that uh, kind of helps us to keep uh, keep us motivated.
0: Okay, so I'm just gonna dig more deeper into the bad parts of business, right? Uh, so obviously you have a lot of tough times. There'll be there'll be times where you don't know what to do next. Uh, you might be with a problem where you don't know like, how do I kind of solve this problem? So do you want to either pick on a specific problem from City Furnish? Uh, or like generically tell that how how did you go on with solving those problems? There could be customer problems, investor relations, any of that.
1: So I think I'll talk about a problem which I think is fairly uh, uh, I would say I would say common across all young startups who are growing in is that how do you scale or how do you grow when uh, you don't have the funding or marketing budget to kind of uh, uh, create the buzzword for your startup. Uh, so I think with CityFurnish also, it was kind of very uh, similar because A, we were creating a new category. Uh, furniture rental itself was not known in 2015. And B, we wanted to ask the user to kind of trust us uh, uh, for placing the order and not go uh, ahead with some other competitor. Uh, so I think at, always at that moment, I think it's very important to kind of think uh, outside the box and do things which are kind of unscalable. Again, that's one of the important uh, important learning from uh, the YC uh, batch also, which we have received, uh, that you have to do things which are kind of unscalable. Uh, One of those learning was for us in the beginning was that when we were scaling up, uh, obviously because of the lack of funding and marketing budget at that time, we faced problem of how to expand our business and get more customer leads. Uh, And obviously, we we kind of uh, put our minds and brain to it that how we can solve it without actually putting uh, marketing money into it. And then we kind of figured out a, uh, like a good strategy which worked for City Furnish was the real estate broker strategy. So the, the way it worked essentially was that we onboarded real estate brokers on our app called CF Partner App. And the, the, the real estate agent would put in a lead for a, a, a tenant or a landlord who is interested to furnish his apartment. And for every such lead which gets converted, the real estate agent or the broker would get a one month rent as commission. And uh, so that helped us to scale really well because that essentially meant that, all, uh, so as on today, we have like roughly 5,000 plus brokers working for us on this model. Uh, and they work on a success fee model. So we don't have to pay anything upfront to them to kind of onboard them or uh, to enlist them. And they create an offline or an omni channel brand presence for City Furnish. So they're in person pitching the idea about City Furnish furniture rental to a prospective tenant or a landlord and convincing them to place order on set furnish without any particular uh, upfront payment all based on a success fee model. And once the order is done, you have to pay one month rent as a commission to the broker. So that kind of uh, helped us scale very well. And again, kind of uh, validated the idea that there is always a way to kind of figure out how to grow without always spending money to grow. So again, like that's one thing which I think uh, a lot of startups can do is uh, sometimes you have to do things which are unscalable. So you have to go out, meet all those brokers, personally kind of convince them to download your app and start putting the leads in. And uh, once this uh, model works, uh, you can scale them up uh, really fast. But yeah, so that is one uh, story I can, uh, I think we can get from here.
0: Yeah, that was great. Uh, so this is going a bit more like uh, on the initial stages. right? So when you told your, um, maybe your family or your friends about it, about this idea uh like, were they like, uh, what are you trying to do? Like, who does this? Like, it's so stupid? Or were they like very supportive about it? Like, uh, they kind of, they kind of wanted you to do it.
1: So I think one thing which uh... Uh, I think uh, everyone in Indian startup needs to be grateful for is to Flipkart and the uh, like stories of those guys. So, yeah, the, uh, so like startup or like the adoption of startup for even uh, parents and family kind of became a little acceptable because of uh, the stories which we kind of read about uh, uh, Flipkart and etc in the initial days. Uh, so in our family, I think uh, luckily like everyone was really supportive a lot of them still didn't kind of understood the idea to be very fair, but they were still very supportive. So that was like kind of a little uh, funny because they still didn't understand that what we're completely doing or what we're trying to do, but they were really supportive that uh, you should definitely try that if you are able to try and create a new category, they were really supportive of that. And I think coming in uh, from a business family background, I think uh, the risk taking uh, capability uh, is I think definitely there. And I think they kind of respect and admire that. And uh, it definitely, in our case, it was the same.
0: Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, just, just, I feel like they are, this should be my last question to you. So uh, do you think young entrepreneurs should start early in their 20s uh, and kind of give it a shot, uh, see how it goes? Or do you think they should gain some experience in the market to understand how a business functions and then go ahead with things? Like, obviously you started at a very young age. So uh, what suggestion would you give to people
1: so definitely I'm completely biased on it. And from my experience, I definitely think that uh, doing an MBA or like uh, even an, an MBA from abroad and etc is it, again, like just my personal op- opinion is like, uh, is not the best use of resource and time. Uh, the learning or the experience which you can get from building from scratch uh, yourself is unparalleled to whatever you are going to learn from the corporate world experience. I'm not discounting whatever experience the corporate world gives. Obviously, that does help, and um, obviously, it will help you to scale your business. But I definitely think that there is a risk optimization framework, a uh, very, very simple thing which I think uh, everyone uh, needs to follow, that uh, the younger in, uh, the, the younger you are in your age, the more risk you can take at that time. So I think the way I, think, uh, I wanted to look at my time was the age, the opportunity cost of doing an MBA versus starting up because it was like it was a huge investment or cost to do an MBA Uh, and secondly uh, I I, I thought that if I have to do something uh, crazy like creating a complete new way of consumption of furniture uh, I need to give myself time and ability to fail I do I should not have the failure or I should not have the fear of that failure or the I would say the anxiety of that uh, limited time to kind of prove or validate the model because I definitely think and still believe that it is a long-term idea to create that change of the mindset for the user uh, for furniture rental category. Uh, So I definitely think that if you start early, you kind of give yourself a little bit more chance to even if you fail, you can start up again and you can even explore more. I think if you uh, kind of start that a little uh, later in your stage, that ability might be a little bit, uh, I would say diminished. Uh, But again, having said that, I think, the best day to start has been yesterday, and now the second best day is to start uh, is today. Uh, and we have seen founders starting after 40s and in 50s as well. And we have seen founders starting in, uh, just after college as well, like me. So I think both works. But I think uh, I definitely do think that if you are at this stage of, uh, and again, because of COVID situation, I think a lot of challenges has come. And again, in all the traditional industries also, COVID has kind of affected all of them. But because of that, a lot of opportunities and possibilities have opened up. So I think this is like one of the best time to build things, and uh, and scale them. So yeah, my advice would be if you're a young uh, young guy just completed your bachelor, uh, definitely go for uh, starting something of your own. Uh, it will just give you a little bit more ability and time to um, just fail and like redo it again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but you know, like the phrase you said that the uh, best part to do the business was yesterday. And the second best time is today. Uh, It's it's crazy, right? So how uh, some of the entrepreneurs like I have spoken to, so I have spoken to one other person and that guy has said the exact same thing, right? And this Uh is not the first time it's happening with me. It's like, like they'll say the same (laughs) phrases. And these are two completely Uh different people from different backgrounds, uh, from different even countries. And it's Uh mental to hear that like when people say the same thing, Uh, Uh but,
1: I think, yeah. So I think a lot of founders and entrepreneurs do think alike. And I think that's what make uh, this founder, uh, I would say the founder teams and etc. a little bit different than the other people. Uh, but obviously, as you rightly said, it takes a lot of mental pressure. It does take a lot of time and effort. But I think if your purpose to build is, uh, is true and you kind of believe in that purpose, uh, the journey is very fulfilling. So uh, that's, uh, that's what I will kind of say.
0: Okay, great stuff, Neera. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Definitely. Thanks for having me. It's been a good pleasure to kind of chat with you.
0: Same here. I I, I hope a lot of young people hear to this and they take an action and actually uh, start something of their own. They build something of their own.
1: Definitely. I would love to see that. All
0: right. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Super. If you enjoyed this, check out our other
0: episode. And do not forget to follow us on Instagram. It is humans underscore off underscore entrepreneurship. Well, till then, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.